I don't know about you, but I am tired of being lied to. With the ever-growing tyranny that is passing across this great land of ours and throughout the world, the pandemic of fear, people are not interested in objective truth anymore. Rather, they're interested in the opinions of the officials or opinions of television shows or whatever it might be, NBA players, whatever. But as one author says, for everywhere I turn, I meet people who are no longer thinking and acting rationally, who cannot see the contradictions in front of their noses, who have handed to their unelected chief medical officers infallible control over their lives. Many are acting in a fear that has been driven into them through a powerful media machine, either the fear that they are going to die or the fear that they are going to kill someone by simply breathing, end of quote. And then the good French bishop, Marc Elliott, says, fear is not a good counselor, fear leads to ill-advised attitudes. It sets people against one another. It generates a climate of tension and even violence. And then he says, we may be on the verge of an explosion. End of quote. You know, during a liturgical season, which is supposed to be focused on joyful anticipation, the joyful anticipation of the coming of the Lord, we see the opposite taking place. We see depression, we see despondency, we see an increase of suicides, we see drug abuse, alcohol, internet porn, video games. People are trying to grasp anything that, that will bring them some relief from this fear. But we know that if you look for happiness apart from God, it will lead to loneliness. It will lead to fear, to sorrow. And I believe that's why so many people are in sorrow today. So instead of looking at Jesus, who is the saving truth that will bring us the joy and peace we are looking for, we look, we look to politicians, we look to elections, we look to scientists and powerful billionaires who have all the answers to our problems. Some of these billionaire globalists are eugenicists. They're very much into population control. They're very much into abortion on demand. These eugenicists who have been promoting abortion clinics as a necessary essential service, remember, on a daily basis, there are 100,000 abortions daily worldwide during this pandemic. And nobody wants to talk about it, but it's true. It's a fact. It's objective truth. And these people say that our church liturgies 
are super spreaders. So they want our churches closed. For example, churches in big cities that may seat 1,000 people can, are only allowed to have 25 or 30 people. Because somehow, people gathered for religious services or liturgies are super spreaders. Because you see, religion is not essential to these great minds. They have made our lives as priests, I must say, pretty difficult. You know, when the crisis started back in March, our main work as the Fathers of Mercy are preaching parish missions and retreats. That is where we get our major income, and they cut that off from us. They cut the income off from us, but even more importantly, they cut off our ability to reach out to people, our ability to touch people with Christ's mercy, to give them the sacraments. I've spoken to distraught parents who have had children in the hospital, and they were so distraught and in tears because not only could they not go in to see their children because of all the restrictions, but priests were not allowed to go in and to give their children the sacraments, to give their children a blessing. Because you see, these experts would say, such a practice is medieval. It's crazy. And yet we know as believing Christians and believing Catholics that there is nothing more important than our spiritual health. Nothing. One of our priests was in an accident during the summer and he went to the emergency room and the emergency room would not let me in. Tell, let me tell you, I was one frustrated priest. They would not let me in. I was in the parking lot for five hours before they finally let me in for five minutes to anoint him, and then they told me I had to leave again. There's something wrong with this picture. I would say that the medical world has changed so much in the last 35 years or so. Before I joined the Fathers of Mercy, when I was studying to be an EMT, I remember our instructors teaching us the future EMTs, the importance of spirituality and the healing of people. This is in New York. We were taught the importance of asking someone, do you want to be baptized? We were told that it is comforting to a person to bless them. And now it's all changed. This is not the same world that I lived in 35 years ago. I long for the days of St. Aloysius, the great Jesuit saint, who went out to care for victims of the plague, not worried about his own safety, but rather bringing Christ's charity to those who were most in need. He was willing to die in order to take care of those people, and he did die taking care of the plague victims. I think of St. Damien and St. Marianne Cope, who worked with the lepers in Hawaii. They were not afraid of catching that disease. They knew that the spiritual welfare of these people 
was extremely important. I remember the stories of the North American martyrs, especially one of my heroes, St. Isaac Joes, who would walk through chest-deep snow for a mile in the middle of the night with the temperatures below zero Fahrenheit in order to anoint or baptize a dying native Mohawk. And now, in our Christian society here in America, I can't even get into an, an emergency room. <laughs> There's something wrong with this. There's something wrong. But we should not be distressed. All we need to do is focus on what this season is all about. All we have to do is recognize the fact that if we are students of history, if we are students of salvation history, we know that there have been crises before in the world and that God will never be outdone. I talked about this yesterday at Mass, but I'll bring it up again. And that is the story of Manoah and his wife in the Old Testament when Israel was under the suppression and the oppression of the Philistines. They were basically slaves. They were being treated so badly. They were suffering horribly. And because of an act of faith on the part of Manoah's wife, she who was barren, a miracle was performed. And she gave birth to a son a son who was going to save Israel. And that son, of course, was Samson. Samson. He came from a very humble beginning. And yet through the power of God and his plan and trust in his plan, he was able to save Israel from the Philistines. And then, of course, we have the beautiful story of our blessed mother today, in today's gospel reading, the Feast of the Annunciation, right? The first joyful mystery before our eyes, something that we should be meditating on so often that our Blessed Mother, who seemed to be fearful at first, why was she, she wasn't fearful as far as a servile fear. Probably what concerned her, first of all, is that when the angel Gabriel appeared to her, he praised her. He said, Hail Mary, full of grace. It's the highest praise you can give any human being. And because of her absolute humility, it probably disturbed her. Why are you praising me like this? But then his request caused a little bit of a disturbance, not because she doubted even for a moment that the Lord would be able to, uh, um, uh, that, that God, she would not doubt for even a moment God's plan for her. But what concerned her was the fact that she was a consecrated virgin. And she was wondering, does the Lord want me to break my vow of virginity? What's going on here? And that's when the angel said, fear not, Mary. The son born to you will be the son of God. God's going to perform a miracle here. And because of her act of faith, because of her act of trust, she changed the world. I'm wondering how many of us can change the world through an act of faith 
and trust in God's power working in our lives. But that's how we're going to change the world. I'm waiting for a, another great person to step forward and one who makes that act of faith and allows our Lord to work wonderfully in his or her life to change the world. So what can we do? What are some of the practical things that we can do in this last week of Advent? It's never too late to make preparations to fight against this culture of death, to fight against this culture of fear. What are some of the things that we can do this week, starting today? Well, I was thinking, why not look at the passage from the gospel at today's Mass, Mary's yes to the Lord, and why not use her as our model, as the perfect Christian who did everything that God wanted her to do. In other words, why don't we consider consecrating ourselves to Jesus through Mary? And what is making a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary all about? It's recognizing the fact that she is the perfect disciple of Jesus and that she is worthy of imitation. Some people frown at that. Some of our Christian brothers and sisters who are not Catholic frown at that. They think that's craziness, that we should only look at Jesus. But these so-called Bible Christians, haven't, I guess they haven't read the sacred scriptures because St. Paul says at least three times in his letters, imitate me. Paul, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am his disciple. Look at what I'm doing and imitate me. That's scripture. Well, if I can imitate Paul, who's living a Christ-like life, why in the world can I not imitate Mary? Someone who's more Christ-like than anyone. In fact, she probably has facial features similar to her sons. Did you ever think about that? I'm sure her genes were pretty strong. Secondly, with all the apparitions of Our Lady, because she is a big player in today's world, we know that she appeared more times in the past hundred years in various apparitions, church-approved apparitions, by the way, than in the previous 1900 years combined. Over and over and over again, she pleads with us to pray the rosary. Pray the rosary every day. Pray, pray it as couples together. Pray it as families together. Don't neglect it. It's a powerful prayer of meditation that changes lives and changes the world. And then in all of these apparitions, she also says, pray for your shepherds. You know, a lot of times, you know, at Fatima and Lourdes and all these other places, she would always tell the visionaries, pray for your shepherds. That's a constant message from Our Lady. And living in today's world, we can understand why she says that. We need to pray for our shepherds. We need to sacrifice for them, do penance for them. They need our help badly right now. 
And then fourthly, let's recognize the fact that this upcoming feast is the birthday of Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I remember watching something on TV. This news guy was going around a mall. This was last year. He was going around a mall interviewing people as they were doing their Christmas shopping. And he would ask them, what did you get for Jesus? And all he would get from them is blank stares. And never even enter their mind. What am I getting for Jesus? Well, whose birthday is it? You know, on my birthday, when I was a child, if my parents were to give gifts to all of my brothers and sisters that ignored me on my birthday, <laughs> that would be devastating. <laughs> but you do it to Jesus all the time. I think every family, especially families with children, most likely families with children, they should have a birthday cake and they should sing them happy birthday. Make this a reality in the lives of our children. And what gifts can we give him? You know, that reporter was asking people, well, what gift are you going to give to Jesus? And he was getting blank stares. Well, we can think about that. What are we giving to Jesus for his birthday? Well, number one, perhaps we can spend some time with him. If he's our best friend, the best thing that we can do with our best friend is to spend time with him. to maybe go in front of that tabernacle and tell him how much we appreciate everything he has done for us. All the blessings that we have as Americans that we take for granted. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Spending time with him, giving him everything from our hearts. Giving him our sins. Giving him our faults giving him anything that will get in our way of our love for him, that is the greatest gift that our, love loves, that our Lord loves more than anything, when we give him our faults and our sins. And then perhaps maybe another way we can give our Lord a birthday present is I could help someone in need. Because did he not say when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it for me. That's the reason why we do acts of charity. Call someone up who is very lonely, whatever you can think of. Maybe it's a brother or a sister, a sibling who I haven't talked to in 10 years because I was angry at them for some stupid little thing that they may have said to me 10 years ago, but maybe it's time to break the ice. Maybe that's what Jesus wants for his gift this year. There are so many opportunities in acts of charity for those who are in need. Let's make this Christ's birthday again. Let's give him the glory. He is the Prince of Peace, and he is the only answer to our problems. God bless you. Mm -hmm.